You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Boy, oh boy, it feels good to be back. For the most part, that's a lie, but I, I feel good right now. This feels good. I'm trying to keep the noise levels within range here, but I really wanted to scream very loud. Not going to lie, just hearing the music got me all jacked up. But anyways, and again, I know nobody except myself cares about the daily thing, but I do. So we're going to stick with the same schedule. We're going to be doing two 20-ish minute podcasts per day, at least that's the plan, until we get caught up. Once we're caught up, we go back to the regularly scheduled programming, that being 40-ish minute uh, podcasts once a day. Because of that, once again, I'm not going to go through the whole litany of things. Just a real quick couple things. Um... The description is, has everything you're going to need, so check the description. But specifically, a couple things. iTunes. We are 15 iTunes reviews away. So if you go to leave an iTunes review and it doesn't say 185, that's the wrong one. It's the one that says Pack Daddy. Leave a five-star rating and review. Let me know that you did it. Show me a screenshot. I'll enter you into the competition. And finally, I'll be able to give away this PFF subscription. Secondarily, thank you very much to everybody on Patreon that's supporting me. They are the reason I'm able to do this giveaway, so thank you so much. And be sure to check out the phone number if you have any questions, comments, concerns about the podcast, any ideas for the podcast. I know several of you have sent me different things. Um, i got to work on all that. I'm still kind of flustered and unbelievably tired because I never had the forethought to say, you know what, maybe I should slowly start getting up earlier and earlier. No, 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 no. I'm just going to sleep in till 8 o'clock, maybe 9-ish, and then one day... Boom, 3 o'clock, we're getting up. I'm just, I'm in a world of hurt. But I'm feeling good that we're back. As far as the agenda for today, it's whatever. I spent time, like, trying to organize notes over the last week of what's been going. Forget it, man. I'm going to grab something out of the bag. I'm going to talk about it. When it's done, I'm going to tear it up, and we're going to move on. There's no order. There's no rhyme or reason. I might be skipping over important stuff. If I am, be sure to send me a little note being like, hey, man, this big thing kind of happened might want to talk about it. We all caught up? We all good? All right, going to take a break, and we're going to talk about some Packer stuff. Okay. Okay, bye. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so I guess the big news is um, that the Packers head coach is injured. There isn't much to talk about here. I think maybe this is a learning moment for them because apparently it's not just LaFleur. There's several people who have injuries. It's cool. You want to, like, have fun. Maybe we leave this little uh, pickup basketball game out of the schedule next year. All right, LeBron, let's just take it easy. 38-year-old white guy with a desk job who thinks he's LeBron. Let's just cool it a little bit. I know we're all cool and hip and stuff, but I think we're getting that, you know, that's going to our head a little bit. Young coaching staff. Ooh, we're so young and cool. No, you're old and you're white and you're slow and you're stupid. Just just coach the team, please. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't really care. I just felt like I should throw that out there. Of the things that are a little bit more relevant, um, there's some talk about, because we, we've had some updates about, you know, where guys are playing and this and that and the other, and I think a little bit of what I want to talk about, because we're still in off-season crazy mode where people take little bits of information, then it gets blown up into a million different things because... Writers want to make it seem bigger than it is, and then they make salacious headlines, and then people don't read articles, and then they write Facebook posts, and it just keeps snowballing. But one of the things that's interesting is the idea that Geronimo seems to be starting in the slot. My thought was, eh, I don't know about that. The more I looked into it, though, it kind of makes sense. Now, my thought initially was equanimous. I still don't hate that, and I could see him winning that job, but there's a couple bits of information that I want to add into this and leave my own bias out, because that was just bias based on, like, I, I don't know, I just thought he'd be good at it, right? He's, he's good in space as long as you don't get your hands on people, or people don't get their hands on him. He's, you know, good at separation, blah, blah, blah. But looking a little bit closer, Geronimo makes sense, and I think MVS makes a lot of sense, but I think, you know, obviously Devontae would be great there as well. I think Devontae and Marquez are the guys that are on the outside, so as far as the information I'm talking about, there's a couple things, and one of them was a little bit shocking, and now I can't even find where I saw it. I don't know if it was just sitting on Twitter somewhere. I thought it was in one of these articles, but I don't know. Got a lot of tabs open. But one of the coaches made a comment that was something to the effect of the way that Kumaro and Trevor Davis and Equinemius are playing, it's going to be kind of hard to... I wish I had the article so I could figure out the wording. But essentially it was meant to sound complimentary, but it was shocking to me because it made it sound like these are the guys that are on the outs, but they're playing well to the point where they're really fighting hard to get on the active roster as a starter. I, I personally did not put Equinemius in the same tier as Kumaro and Trevor Davis, who are basically, in my mind, kind of, you know, Trevor obviously is further out the door. Kumaro, I think, is a, is a big fan favorite, but I've said there's a good chance he doesn't make it. And I, I've had some f- uh, pushback on that, and that's understandable, but that's just my thought. So when I heard Equinemius get put into that category, that was a little shocking. That's point number one. I get the impression, and it's funny because this is what I talk about reading the tea leaves and stuff. I think coaches and things, they they say things and sometimes they don't even realize what they're saying because they kind of forget that they know things that we don't know. And, and you know, they're trying to be as vague as they can, but you say something like that and it kind of sets off a little switch in my head that says, wait a minute, that doesn't line up with what I thought. I thought he was on a tier with... Uh, Geronimo and Marquez, not down here with Trevor, but that's where they put him. So that's point number one. The other thing I wanted to do is 
the coaches in the article said what we want in the slot position isn't so much a profile based on size, right? We don't want just, the the idea always was, I guess, small, which I think was always kind of silly, but maybe it just kind of worked out that way, but fast and shifty, right? You know, short area quickness, and you got some speed to you. The way that the Packers have laid it out, and it it seems to be the way the NFL is going. Uh, It actually surprised me last year as I was going through. I'm thinking Jair would be great in the slot, and then as you go through and look at the other teams, a lot of teams had big slot guys. You know, the Redskins and some other guys, they've, they've got bigger, six foot three, not super fast, right? They're just big, slow, lumbering people in the slot. But the way the Packers had put it is what we want is guys that can be healthy, number one, which generally is bigger guys, and number two, guys that can get separation. Well, what I decided to do was go back in time, look at 2018, find out the separation that players were getting just to kind of put it in order of who separates the most and the least. Now, this isn't perfect because technically what this is is separation at the point of of the catch. So when you catch the ball, where's the other guy? So if you get a massive amount of separation and they don't throw the ball to you, you don't get credit for that. However, I think it tends to work in your favor more often because usually if you're getting wide open, the quarterback's going to see you. More than likely, if you're not getting the ball, it's because you're not open. The other issue is, and I'm using uh, the advanced metrics for NFL.com, I forget what it's called, uh, Next Gen, and I went week by week because at the if you just use the full season, they want a minimum of 45 targets, and that would leave some people out, and I wanted everybody on, and I included Devontae, I included Randall Cobb as a, as a point of reference, and um, I also put in Jimmy Graham because we got to remember that he's a candidate, not maybe necessarily a full-time candidate, but again, reference, where does he stand here? So the biggest surprise here was that Devontae was actually the lowest. He was the only one under three yards on average. Now, I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole. We all know he's a fantastic route runner. But the other thing we know is that he doesn't have a massive amount of speed. So I'm just going to put a little caveat here because it doesn't really line up with what I'm thinking. I'm going to make something up out of thin air just so we can move on. The point I'm going to make is that he has the ability to get separation. He doesn't have pull-away speed. So, for example, if he's 2.5 yards away from a receiver, that's more than enough space for Aaron Rodgers to deliver a strike. I don't think very often he's going to... So he, he's getting that initial separation, and that's all he needs. He's going to beat you off the line. He's going to beat you here. He's going to beat you there. He's going to get that separation. You get guys like Marquez... Now, I can't explain Geronimo necessarily, but again, this is just a quick one-off and we're moving on. But guys like Marquez are the ones that are going to beat you four, five, six, seven yards down the field. Anyways, number two was Randall Cobb, which is somewhat comforting because it's the idea that, first of all, we want healthy and we want separation. Well, as far as the receivers that are on this list, he is getting the second least amount of separation, which is not good when you're a slot guy, and we know he's not very healthy, right? His body's taken a bit of a beating. He's had some injuries over the years. Okay. Number three was Jimmy Graham, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. He had some, he had some weeks where he was doing pretty, pretty solid. So there's several weeks where, you know, you have to have a minimum of, uh, I think it's like four targets. So there was a lot of these guys that didn't have anything for that week. But, for example, week two, 3.1 yards uh, average. That was second highest behind Cobb. Week three, 3.7. Highest behind Devontae was 4.7. He doesn't have super high end, but I think he's a lot more consistent. He doesn't have a lot of real low end either. So I think Jimmy Graham is relatively consistent and decent there, but he's kind of the, the baseline average. Beyond that, you got Equinemius at 3.17 yards. Now, just for context, that's pretty solid. Other guys with 3.1 are guys like Tyreek Hill, uh, Calvin Ridley had 3.2, Sterling Shepard, Corey Davis from Tennessee, really solid wide receiver, first-round draft pick. That's pretty good. 
After that was Marquez at 3.26. He got off to a really, really good start. So weeks one through four, there was nothing. Um, then week five, 4.3. Week six, 5.4. Uh, week eight, 3.3. Week nine, he dropped off big time, 1.3. Then he followed that up with 4.4 in week 10. And then uh, 13, week 13, 2.2. Week 16, 3.7. Week 17, 1.5. So a couple low ones in there, but he also had some really high ones. Average out at 3.26. So, Zach Ertz is a 3.2. And by the way, actually, if you just look at... They put him at 3.3. I don't know if they just round up or what. But he is in pretty fantastic co- uh, company here on this page. He's... Let's see. Let me just count it. 22. He's the 22nd best uh, separation or most separation of anybody that's on this list here for all of 2018. Now, um, Geronimo was actually a little bit higher. Technically, he averaged out the same, but you know, I did the math individually by week. MVS was 3.26. I had Geronimo at 3.3, so just a hair higher. But again, so so Marquez and Geronimo are both kind of about top 20 as far as separation goes, and Equinemius is also pretty solid. Now, this isn't the be-all, end-all. I mean, there's there's really bad receivers who have high separation numbers. You got guys like A.J. Green, who are fantastic wide receivers. Mike Evans, great wide receiver. Josh Gordon, all really low. But again, I'm, I'm, if we're looking at most separation and guys that can stay healthy, it makes sense that they're starting with Geronimo because according to this, next-gen stats, and probably what the Packers are seeing as well, Geronimo actually had more separation when he caught the ball than anybody else. Then you factor in some other things, right? We want to keep Marquez on the outside. We want to keep Devontae on the outside, and we'll mix that up. We already know Devontae is going to be inside once in a while, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure MVS will. I'm sure EQ will. But to to start, and it's nothing set in stone, if we're going to start, it makes sense. Geronimo's the veteran guy. Geronimo's been here. Geronimo has the reputation. Geronimo's great with separation. It's a good fit. And also, I think it's a good fit just in terms of the role that he already plays. Geronimo is a reliable uh, a guy that's going to come up on third down when you need a catch, when you need a play. He's the guy that's going to come up and do it. And that's that kind of Randall Cobb slot role. right? He, 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 every time I say he's not the big play guy, that's when he, that, that very next week, he's going to have a 50-yard touchdown or something. He's only had like two and both times came right after I said he's not good at that. But traditionally, He's the guy that's going to come up on that third and eight, right? We need this conversion. Who's the guy? It's going to be Geronimo. So I, everything kind of makes sense. I'm, everybody knows that listens. I'm not the biggest Geronimo fan, but I think he plays a pretty good role for this team. And I think in the slot we could do better. But I understand it, and it makes sense. I think Equin. I mean, Equinemius is my guy, but I he has to earn it. It's not just you know he's. If you're the coach, you can't just put him there because he has higher upside. He doesn't have the same relationship with Aaron Rodgers. He, he isn't as reliable. He doesn't know. Well, I, I suppose neither of them know the, the system, so maybe they're on equal footing. So my hope is that Equinemius can win that job. But if he doesn't, I think Geronimo is a pretty reliable guy. And considering the other weapons, you don't necessarily need an elite slot receiver. I don't think Geronimo is ever going to be what Randall Cobb was, you know, three, four years ago, whatever. But so what? When you have... Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, when you have Aaron Jones as your running back, when you have Devontae Adams as your wide receiver, the rest is kind of iffy, but it's, it's, it's a very, very solid group, including this offensive line. Having just a solid, reliable target like Geronimo Allison kind of just provides a little bit extra something that you need. Not everybody needs to be that high-ceiling, big-play guy. How about a guy that's just going to be there when I need him to be there? So I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I'm on board. I, I can buy into that. 
if it was a more critical position, if, if we were talking quarterback, if we were talking pass rusher, if we were talking, you know, corner, I'd probably not be super happy. But again, for the number three receiver on the team on an already talented offense, I can get behind reliable. And really, that's what the Packers are, are leaning toward as a whole, especially if you look on defense. They're not going for the Earl Thomas. They're going for the Adrian Amos. They're not going for Nasir Adderley. They're going for Darnell Savage. They're not going Brian Burns. They're going Rashawn Gary. They're not going D. Ford. They're going Zadarius Smith. They're going for the more reliable players that don't exactly have the upside, but they're going to be there every single play, and they're more versatile. They can do more things, and they're they're less likely to just mess up in, in either one area or just, you know, as a percentage-wise on, on X amount of plays. Geronimo fits that mold more generally. If I'm trying to recreate the 2011 Packers, do I want Geronimo? No. If we're in the Super Bowl and it's, you know, fourth and eight, and this is the, the game-winning drive, do I want Geronimo on the field? You had absolutely better believe I want Geronimo on the field. So them's my thoughts on the slot so far. Again, nothing is set in stone. Excited to see how this competition rolls out, but I thought those two things were interesting. Geronimo, not so much interesting. It kind of just makes sense. You know, we're going to give that to him. We paid him. We like him. It kind of makes sense. The thing that I thought was more shocking was the, the putting EQ into that sort of third tier as opposed to the second tier where I thought he was. The other thing I wanted to address in a similar vein is the idea that Crawford is the starting inside linebacker. Now, I don't know exactly what you've heard or whatever, but, you know, again, I'm going through and I'm looking at headlines, I'm looking at different things that are going on, and it gives you the distinct impression that Crawford is kind of the guy. I'm assuming you already understand the situation that nothing is set in stone. I think, again, when you read all this stuff, it always sounds more reasonable than than the initial impression. But what it kind of sounds like is it's a reaction to a reaction. So when I read this and I look at the quotes, it's, for example, a quote from Brian Gutekunst that says, I disagree with you about James because I think James could potentially help us on defense. First of all, it's not exactly a ringing endorsement, and it's certainly not him saying he's going to be the starter. He starts off by saying, I disagree. What does he disagree with? Presumably some kind of a notion that he's not a starter or a contributor or whatever. I think he could potentially help us. It's not even, I think he could potentially start. I think he could potentially, that could be special teams for all I know. Uh, Specifically, if you look even further down in this particular article, anyways, there's another uh, quote from Brian Gutekunst saying, He had a very good year on special teams. So again, special teams. And I think even the more telling thing is the the only other thing that's being brought up is by Brian Gutekunst as well as Kirk Ovidati, which is the idea that he's kind of still in between outside-inside and they've settled on putting him at inside linebacker. Again, not a very good thing if we're talking about him being the official starting inside linebacker. I believe the Green Bay Packers are expecting 100% for Oren Burks to be the starting inside linebacker next to Blake Martinez. I think they expect him to have a very big year. I think they're really, really leaning on him. I think a lot of these quotes are essentially the idea that Crawford has a chance to be number three. And I think the constant talking about him on special teams kind of further exemplifies that because what it sounds like to me is if he can continue to be a strong contributor on special teams, he can find a home as the number three inside linebacker for the Packers. Which, I mean, there, there could even be four this year. I don't even know who the fourth would be. But considering the, you know, we don't have Jake Ryan, we don't know what's going on with Burks, we don't know exactly what the situation is, is with Crawford, might be kind of wise to have a fourth just in case. 
because as far as I can tell, we have one inside linebacker that is capable of being a starting inside linebacker and two big question marks. Um, and I'm going to end with this one. It's all in the same article, actually. It's PackersNews.com, if you are curious. Um, one is not worth talking about. There's the Crawford thing and the slot thing. This is the only place I've seen it, so again, I don't know exactly what the hype is or whatever, but I've heard so many people say this over the years, or <laughs> not that many years, over the year maybe. So when I saw this in bold, I thought, you got to be kidding me, they're actually doing it, but there's no information here that would that would say that they are doing this. This, in my opinion, is, I mean, it's not even clickbait because it's embedded in the, it's, just, it's, it's dumb that they would even put this in print. Here's what the bolded letters say. Josh, Josh Jackson in play at safety. Whoa, wait a minute. They might put him at safety? That's kind of crazy. I thought he was kind of locked into that slot role, even though I don't particularly care for him there. I thought that was like his deal. Wow, I wonder what the information is here. Let, let's see. Quote, when asked if second-year player Josh Jackson is a pure cornerback, outside or nickel, or in the mix to work in at safety, defensive backs coach Jason Sermons elected to say this. Everybody we have are DBs. I classify everybody in the room as DBs, he said, because the one thing about Coach Pettin, as you see, we're multiple. You can align anywhere. Anybody can align anywhere. You saw guys like Tremont lining deep. You saw him aligning at the nickel. You saw him blitzing. You saw Jair doing all the same things. So everybody learns every position in this defense. I think it's kind of dumb to even phrase it this way. I don't know if the questioner is just so locked into his question or, or what. You understand your question is just a random assumption, and, and the coach gave you no reason to believe that your assumption is correct, that Josh Jackson is being looked at as a potential safety. Zero information. In fact, I, I think that entire notion, now that we have Amos and Darnell Savage, is kind of dumb. I think it was always a little bit not smart. You can kind of see it, I guess, for some reason, but I, I just get tired of that in general. We went out and got two safeties. They are the starting safeties. They will be the starting safeties. This guy can't let it go. He asked the question. The coach, Jason Simmons, not Sermon, Simmons, says, well, everybody's a defensive back. We're all DBs here. So everybody has to kind of know all the positions. And then he just put a period there. And the title you choose is Josh Jackson in play. It's a no, he's not. No, he's absolutely not. He is a cornerback. He is fighting to get a spot as a cornerback. Because right now we have four. We have Tremont, we have Jair, we have Kevin King, and we have Josh Jackson. He's trying to be one of the guys that starts on the field when there are three or even two cornerbacks. Zero thought, I'm guessing, is going... Now, there's maybe a contingency plan, what if. But you know what happens, what if, if Amos goes down? Tremont is going back there. We already know that. So what are you talking about? Just dumb. No offense to Jim Ozarski, but just delete that or change the, the, the heading. But, of course, he has to end his paragraph by saying it might be worth watching to see if Jackson does indeed get reps at, and perhaps playing time as a safety because he just can't let it go. But anyways, I'm going to wrap this one up. Make sure to remember that there should be two every day. Obviously, things happen. But I know with like Google Podcasts, it just shows one episode because it doesn't show multiple. So if I did five, it would just show my one most recent episode you'd have to click on it and see the other five but anyway just make sure you're all caught up otherwise enjoy this fantastic day